Anybody thankful? Anybody thinking about Thanksgiving? See, when you're from Texas, the word thank can be several things. How many of you are thinking about Thanksgiving? All right, some of, you're, you'll catch, some of you will catch that here in a little while. You'll say, I am thankful. We are in a, a um, to me, a very important series. And the, this series is about thanks and about giving thanks. And this is a time of year where here in the United States, a lot of minds should be on the idea of thanksgiving, which if you look at the compound word, you could turn it back and say, well, it's giving thanks. And as I began to, you know, form this series and, and, and these sermons, I, I realized something about the human condition that I think all of us would probably recognize, and it's simply this. We have a tendency a lot of times to lean more toward the negative than we do toward the positive. It's just something about human nature that you can have ten things going on in your life that are positive and you can have one thing going on in your life that is negative. And how many of you recognize that it's a whole lot easier to list toward that one negative thing than it is to really focus on those ten positive things? And it's just something about it, that, that as we walk through life, as we experience this thing called life, there are moments in life where we, where we really do fulfill the promise from Jesus where he said, in this world you will have trouble. And oftentimes it's the trouble that we focus on. It's the trouble that we tend to lean toward. It's, it's having... It's having Ten people in your life that make you happy and, and bring joy and have redeeming value. And then it's focusing on that one person in your life that, well, is a handful. And somehow or another, I think that it's a good thing for us to slow down ever so often. I felt like it was a good thing for us here at our church to take these weeks before Thanksgiving and, and talk about things that we should be thankful for. Things that we should be thankful for. Matter of fact, I think it's pretty interesting in 1 Thessalonians 5. This is a key verse for me in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Paul is writing here to the church of Thessalonica and, and he, he makes this statement in the 16th verse, Rejoice always. And then he says, Pray continually. And then he gives this, to me, probably a, a, pretty, a pretty difficult thing to grasp. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That it is God's will for you in your life that you would rejoice always. And that, and that God's will for you in your life is that you would pray continually. And then he says that really difficult thing, to give thanks. In all circumstances. Now, I want to make a note with you today that he didn't necessarily say give thanks for all circumstances. There's some circumstances in my life that, well, I just don't like. And, 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 and I'm, I'm thankful that, that uh, Paul didn't say give, thank, give thanks for all circumstances, but he did say give thanks in all circumstances. 
And I think that's the key to living, to living with, with, with a blessing and, and a recognition or even a settling or maybe even a peace in our heart that, that, that there may be circumstances in our life that we're not thankful for, but we can be thankful in them. And so how do you, how do, you do that? Well, last week I talked about that we can be thankful for companionship, that this is a very important important thing, that, that in the midst of trying circumstances, in the midst of, uh, of, uh, of things that seem like, like really going to get you down, that, that we, have, we have some companionship in our life that we can be thankful for. And that first important companionship was the companionship of God. I mean, we talked about the, the, the very powerful verse where God himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That, that, that we have a promise from God that no matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter, no matter what we're going through, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and he has declared over our lives that he will always be there. And that's something to be thankful for in all circumstances, that we can be thankful for the companionship of God, that God is with us. But then I talked about this other thing, this companionship of others, that, that, we, also, that we also have people in our lives that are healthy relationships and that, and that when we're going through the midst of something, that it's really good for us to notice the good people that surround us. That God doesn't intend on any one of us to live alone, to face circumstances by ourselves, that, that God has placed people in our life that add redeeming value to us. And, and that redeeming value is very powerful. And I want to expand on that just a, a little today because we are thankful for the companionship of God and we should be thankful for the companionship of others. But a part of that others is this, is this idea of the church. That, I mean, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, he was talking about gathering a group of people together that, that, that in their coming together formed this incredibly powerful thing in each other's lives. So today, I'm going to spend just a few moments talking about being thankful for the church. Matter of fact, the church is such a powerful thing that, that it was God's idea. The church was God's idea, and, and it's a gift to us. So there it is. No wonder that the enemy, Satan, has tried from its very inception to render the church ineffective. He has, he has fought against the idea of the church since its inception. To try to render it ineffective. Paul struggled with this idea in, in places like Ephesians chapter 4. Now, now when, we, when we look at the church, we have, this, we have this idea from the New Testament that the church is a called out group of people who have gathered together for specific purpose. You see, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, there was the church at Jerusalem, and, and they gathered together, and the Bible says that in their togetherness, they fellowshiped, and they ate, and they prayed, and they, they, they gave. They did all of these things in this, in this act of togetherness, and then, and then as the church began to spread throughout Asia and Asia Minor, you see Paul writing letters 
and, and, and they are called the epistles. And, and in these epistles, in your New Testament, uh, in these epistles, you, you would notice that the book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus, and the book of Thessalonians was written to the church at Thessalonica, and, and the church of Philippians, or, the, or the, the, the book of Philippians was written to the church at Philippi, and, and, and Romans was written to the church at Rome. And so, and so there's this understanding that within every one of these communities, there was this group gathered together under a common purpose. Believers in Christ. And there was a reason for their gathering. And, 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 then, and then Paul began to deal with this thing that the enemy is trying to render this church ineffective into the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 4.1 he said this, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. He's, he's talking to the church saying... Man, treat each other good. Be good to each other. Be gentle. Be humble. Love one another in a very powerful and effective way. And then he said this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I mean, Paul in his writings is even recognizing that it's very easy when people get together to lose peace by falling into factions and disunity and and that, and that when the church begins to experience that kind of thing, it, it begins to lose its effectiveness. And so Paul is urging them to, to come together with unity. Recognize the value of each other. You're the church. So I want to say today that unity within a local congregation is worth working on, but it is also worth fighting for. Guy Duffield, in a commentary, makes this point concerning the church being described as a body. And I mean, if you think about it, what a great analogy that, that, that Paul offers to us. That when he talked about the church and he wanted to use a metaphor for you to understand just how important the church is and how important unity is. Begin to describe the church as a body and begin to talk about the members of the body, the eye and the ear. And, and, and we understand all of that, that, that in this body there, is, there are many different members, but, but yet these members uh, function in their gift. But they're only alive as long as they're connected to the body. Paul was writing, saying, you don't be... Don't be in disunity because disunity takes the very life out of the church and out of you. Matter of fact, you would recognize with me that if you were to, if you were to, to, to sever a part of the body, that it doesn't stay alive very long if it's not reattached. Guy Duffield says, one of the strongest emphasis of the body metaphor is that of the unity of the many members of the church. The church, or the body of Christ, is not merely a collection of individuals who subscribe to its philosophy. The church is an organism of which the members are interrelated parts. That is this, it's this organism, this, this living thing that, that, that you and I are connected with and connected to. And that connectiveness is very powerful. Paul described it like this in 1 Corinthians 12. In, in the 12th verse, he said, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
that we're different, but yet there's unity in our diversity. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So there's this, there's this tremendous value that comes with understanding just how interrelated we all really are. And finally, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So, I mean, maybe I should just, I should just say this and hopefully we can catch this ball and, and run with it. Maybe, maybe I should inform you that you are extremely important. You are extremely important. And that God has placed purpose in you as a part of the body. And there is this interrelated, interconnected thing that is supposed to take place in the church. Now, I don't want to come across as being negative. I understand that there is redeeming value in, in situations where uh, we enjoy listening to sermons or watching sermons on the internet or on television. And, 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 and some people have taken the idea that, well, that's just all I need. My church is in my living room alone by myself and I just watch, watch it in some medium or listen, listen to it in some medium. And I, 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 would, I would stand to, to differ with that today in this regard. We need each other and we need to be a part of community. But there's something very valuable when we rub shoulders with one another. There is something extremely valuable that takes place in our lives when we learn to be thankful for the community called the local church. I mean, it may be old-fashioned, but I'm still a believer in the local church. And there is extreme value in that. See, because I know for me, and I'm just going to be straight up with you, I know for me, I'm not at my best when I'm isolating alone. We are all at our best when we are a part of community. And so there are some things within the church and why we are fighting for this unity and why we, we are striving to be a part of it. There are some things about the church that I, I think we need to learn to be thankful for. And the first thing here, I'm going I'm to deal with three. The first thing here is that the local church is a place to belong. This body metaphor is used in Romans as well and specifically reflects the idea of belonging. Look at Romans 12, 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I mean, it's not just Barney, folks. I need you, you need me. We're a happy family, right? I mean, that's not, that's not just a Barney concept, right? I mean, doesn't something scream out from us in the Word of God that, that we need each other and that, and that the church is a place where we can find belonging? You know what I mean? I've talked with people through the years and I've had the opportunity to pastor now for, oh Lord, longer than I can remember. 
I know I look young and robust. But I mean, I have been at this pastoring thing since 1995 and been in ministry since 1986. I started when I was two. Well, at least Raylene did, right? Let's give it to her. Let's give it to her. So, pastor long enough. You know, people say stuff like this sometimes. They'll say, man, I just, I just don't feel like I'm connected. Although the church is a place to belong. They, they say things like I said, well, you know, when's, well, when's, the last time you, when's the last time you hung out in the foyer? I mean, it's like, it's like this in our lives. If, if, uh, if we spend our life living in a cave, which this is kind of a cave back here. I discovered that this morning. If we spend our entire life living in a cave, living in this, this strange place of isolation, well, it's very difficult to feel like you're an interrelated part of a living organism because you feel so all alone back here. I mean, it just feels dark. It is dark. It's dark and there's a door with the greatest pastors in the world written on it. You, you, there is no, there's no health living in a cave where you don't feel like you belong. I mean, if you really want to meet someone, it's not that hard. If you really want to be a part of community, it's not that hard. You can, you can try getting to church just a little early, getting a cup of coffee, and I, I will guarantee that someone will stop and say hi. Or, I mean, you could try this. Don't run out so quick afterward. Because you're guaranteed that somebody's going to say, Hey, what's your name? What, what's happening in your life? See, I think that when we make ourselves available to community, everybody say available. You've got to make yourself available to community. It's something that I practice as a pastor. I, I had the privilege growing up in a church environment where, where uh, I became very close to my pastor You'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to know my pastor. My, my pastor was a very large man, and he had a very loud, strong voice, and he preached on hell a lot. All right? And, and that scared people. I mean, you, people were scared of him. Now, I discovered that he wasn't scary at all. And, and, and I discovered his lack of scariness because of the way I would watch him interact with people not before church, but after church. Now, now here's the thing about, about our growing up environment is that the preacher rarely came out of the office before church. Why? Because, you know, in order to preach really good, you have to stay in there and get close to Jesus, right? Well, it's this how I know. So the preacher usually didn't come out to her on the third verse of I Fly Away. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you hear the third verse of I Fly Away, the preacher comes out of the office. Well, well... Well, I don't, I don't do that, okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say why. Well, I'll just tell you this. My preaching is what it is now, and it's probably not going to get any better whether I stay in the office or not. Let's just say 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, after you've done it this many years, it just, you just get what you got. All right? But, but I did notice this about my pastor. I mean, it didn't matter how hard he preached. Boy, he preached hard. And he was a really big man. And I mean, he, he preached hard. And, and, and loud and screamed and red face and sweat. And, 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 but I did, notice, I did notice this about him, that after every service, after every service, no matter how hard he preached, he would always find a place on the edge of the platform to sit. And he would stay there. For as long as anybody would come by and talk to him. I mean, as kids, we'd crawl up on his lap. And I mean, he did that. He did that. All those years, I remember, he, 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 he exercised this thing where he, he, didn't want, he didn't want people to feel like he, that he was not connected in that community. And I, I've kind of expanded that in my own life. Because, because I see such value in, in being with you. I see such value in that, that, that you know, I find myself before and after service walking in the foyer and talking with people and drinking a forbidden Dr. Pepper when they actually stock them. They, they have stopped stocking them, and I think it's because they want me to get more healthy. I don't know what the deal is, but all of a sudden there's just no Dr. Peppers in the building. Really? This church is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Really? I'm playing with them. But you know, I, I see this redeeming value of just going out there and because some of you people are pretty funny. And you make you make me laugh. You make me you make me realize just how valuable this community is to my life. It's a place where we can belong. It's a place where we can, actually, we can actually feel this sense that, no, I'm not alone. No, I'm not living in a cave. No, I'm a part of something that adds tremendous value to my life. And a part of that value is my second point. The local church is a place to share in ministry gifts. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, the thing that, that gets me about that is that we always think about the grace of God coming down from heaven and being poured out on us as an individual. But, but this verse reveals to us that the grace of God doesn't just pour out on us, it pours down through us. That you and I have the opportunity with the gifts that God has placed in our life for, for our gifts to be used one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. It's not just that I want to be with you. It is that I need to be with you because you are an administer of God's grace in my life. And this thing called community that we share in ministry gifts one to the other, to the other, to the other. When I'm down, someone in this room will have a gift of encouragement. When I'm lonely, someone will have a gift of companionship. When I am in need, someone will have a gift of giving. When I feel like all is lost, someone will have a gift of hope. Have you ever, have you ever experienced when you just didn't feel like, you just didn't feel like you were going to make it. 
somebody in the church that has no idea what you're going through just happens by your way and says, you know, I just feel like telling you everything's going to be all right. See, we forget that. It's so easy to forget, to be thankful for this community called the church. It's so easy for us to think, well, no, I'm just going to take care of it on my own. No, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. That's not a good That's not a good way to live. It's not a biblical way to live. It's not a scriptural way to live. The Bible is screaming at us that that each one of us as a part of the body have been given gifts so that we can minister one to the other, to the other, to the other. And the the enemy would just love to jerk you out of that, would love to pull you out of that and put you somewhere all by yourself, make you convinced that you don't need what you have invested yourself in. And this preacher stands today beckoning us to remember to be thankful for the church, even with its bumps and its hiccups and its, oh, you know what it, you know, when you put people together, we have to go back and listen to Paul where he says, love one another and be in peace and maybe sometimes we need to get over ourselves. Sometimes we need to get over others, but can you hear my heart today? As I am saying, that we need each other. We need each other. You have, you have gifts. You have gifts. You have gifts. Matter of fact, I dare say that there'd be a lot less discouragement among people if the people who have the gift of encouragement would just do it. Uh, So we share in these ministry gifts. And the third point, and I close, is that the church is a place to fulfill a purpose larger than ourselves. This is... This, to me, is the key to living blessed and happy. The key to living blessed and happy is to recognize that what I, what I can't do all by myself, I can join with you and you and you and you and you. I, we can join together and we can do something that's bigger than any one of us. I mean, that's why I looked at this, you know, we, we presented vision a couple of weeks ago on our vision Sunday and I talked about, you know, this playground and I mean, anytime you go to dedicating four kids in one service, I'm thinking you ought to have a playground, right? I mean, does that sound logical to anyone besides, am I the only person in the room that thinks that's a, that's a logical thing? That's expensive. We make a commitment to invest in families as a church. Why? Because we believe in families. We make a commitment to invest in them. Our children's ministry makes a commitment to invest in them. Our youth ministry makes a commitment to invest in them. Why? Because we believe. We believe in families. But to minister to families takes more than what I can personally do. It takes more than what you can personally do. It's this, it's this pooling of resources. Matter of fact, I love 2 Corinthians 8. You're going you're to catch something here. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. This is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians rather, 8 and 1. 
about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. Now check this out. This is a church in the region, uh, in the region of what was then Macedonia. And, and, and he says God has given them a specific grace at this moment. In the midst, verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I'm like, these people are in economic depression. Paul is writing saying the Macedonian churches are living in extreme poverty. But man, they got happy about being a part of something that is bigger than they were. And, and this expression of joy caused them to, to well up this rich generosity even in the midst of their extreme poverty. And he said this in verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability entirely on their own. Can I expand that for a second? Say not only did they give beyond their ability because they were living in extreme poverty. They gave beyond their ability because they banded together as a community and said we're going to do this. They banded together as a people and said, no, I can't do it personally. But man, if I'll take what little I have, and you take what little you have, and you take what little you have, and you take what little you have, man, we can do something amazing. And then you live with this idea that little is much when God's in it. Man, when you start mixing God in the mix and the grace of God being poured out in their lives, and then this is the verse that really should amaze us. In verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I don't know if you understood what I just read, but let me explain it to you. They begged Paul to let them give. They begged him, please. I mean, I'm sure Paul was going, man, you guys are living in extreme poverty. What? And they're going, please let us do this. Please let us do this. Why? Because there's something in the heart of every person that wants to live life larger than they are. That wants to be a part of something bigger than their own little world, my little world. Man, if you get all caught up in your own little world, it can get depressing. Come on, somebody. But when you start participating in something that's bigger than you, are you talking about fulfilling purpose? You talking about having a sense of fulfillment in your life? There, there is no greater feeling of joy and of accomplishment than being a part of something that's bigger than you are. Huh. And that's what the church, that's what the local church gives us the opportunity to do. Gives us the opportunity not only to belong, gives us the opportunity not only to minister from our gifts, and to be ministered to by other people's gifts. Gives us the opportunity to belong to something and to do something that is bigger than we are. Would you stand with me today? I want you to bow your heads for a second. I've, I've talked directly about the local church. We should be thankful for it. We should be thankful for the local church. Even, Even if there are times that we get frustrated, we should be thankful for the local church. If you're in this house today, and I, I really just, I just really want to give somebody the opportunity to pray with me, 
a prayer to, to a fresh start. It doesn't all end at this prayer, but it certainly can be, begin here. It doesn't all end here. There's so many more things that God has in store for you, but, but you've got to start somewhere. Sometimes you've got to start over somewhere, and this is a really good place to start over. As I've talked about the local church, it's a really good place to start over. And if you want, if you want to kickstart that in your life, say, you know what, Pastor, I just need to dedicate my life to Christ, or I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Would you just kind of wave a hand? I'm not going to call you forward, not going to call you out. You're not going to be on a screen or nothing like that. You just say, you know what, I just need a fresh start. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, everyone, now put your hands down because I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but I would like for us all to pray. And then I'm going to pray collectively over us. And in just a few minutes, our prayer partner is going to come forward. And if you need special prayer about anything in your life, we're going to stay here and pray with you as long as you need prayer. All right? But let me pray with these that raise their hand first in a, in, a, in a prayer of dedication. And everybody repeat after me because it's just the easiest way to do it. Say, Father, I thank you right now for your love in my life. I ask you from the bottom of my heart that you would cleanse me, that you would forgive my sin, and that you would set me on a path of righteousness for your name's sake. I declare right now Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And I thank you today for giving me this opportunity to start fresh in Jesus' name. Amen to that. Let's clap our hands to the Lord because I just know someone prayed that with sincerity. Somebody on the sound of my voice just prayed that with sincerity. If you prayed that for the first time, there is a place to mark on your connection card that you dedicated your heart to the Lord today. And we do have information we'd love to get in your hand concerning your next steps. I want us to pray together. Uh, I'm going to pray over you right now. And I'm going to trust God's going to take the word that we preach today and going to graft it into your heart, into your spirit. Can you pray with me? I say, Father, in Jesus' name, I declare by your presence... And by your power, that you're going to bless every person in the sound of my voice. We've preached a word today concerning loving and being thankful for the local church. And I ask today that you would ignite a fire within us. That we would, that we would desire to be a part of community like never before. I pray in Jesus' name over every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that there's somebody here that is struggling, that, that today they would find an answer to that struggle. If they, if they need peace, that today they would find peace in their heart or joy or, or, or happiness or even hope. I pray in Jesus' name that your work would be done in every one of our lives, that you would bless our families, that you would bless our homes, that you would bless our occupations, everything that we're involved with, that your blessing would rest upon it, including our church. I pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen to that. Amen. Amen. We close our services with a time of prayer, but also with a time of giving. I ask you to stay where you're at. Pastor Trent right here.